Welcome to the Digital Thoughts Podcast. My name is Zan Sayed, and I am a pharmacist turned product manager. I have almost 10 years of clinical experience in oncology, ranging from inpatient all the way to outpatient. My goal with this podcast is to bring people from all sides of the conversation together so that we can learn from each other and build a better healthcare system. In this podcast, we discuss everything digital health from the people to the products. If you do enjoy what you listen to, please consider giving this podcast a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does help a lot. Thank you very much, and let's get into the episode. Today, we have an awesome guest, Mario Morrow. He is the CEO and founder of Ease. In this episode, we talk about how low-code and no-code solutions are going to revolutionize healthcare, why we need to give clinicians the power back to own the way they practice, how building a stack model helps clinicians become more agile, and what exactly is Direct-to-Consumer 2.0. This is a jam-packed episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Hey, Mario, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Mario, for those who don't know who you are, do you mind giving us a little background about yourself? Yeah. So I'm Mario. I am a the founder and CEO at Ease. Um, I'm a physician by training. I'm also a U.S. Navy veteran. So I um, started Ease probably about three or four years ago, actually started off just idea. Uh, now we're kind of, we have product out in the market, been helped over 200 doctors start their practices. And now we're just rocking and rolling, man. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, do you mind going, do you mind talking about what Ease does? Yeah. So Ease is very simple. We started off really trying to help doctors and clinicians leave hospital systems and start their own private practices. Uh, so we built infrastructure that's built around FinTech <laughs> to really support them in establishing their businesses from the ground up. And now we're expanding that infrastructure to support uh, larger businesses that are healthcare focused, uh, such as private practices and startups. So if you're no longer looking to just start a private practice, we really want to help any type of healthcare business. So that could be a startup, med spa, uh, IV clinic. I mean, literally anything that's healthcare related that involves care delivery, we want to support you with our infrastructure. And uh yeah, no, that's amazing. And then do you mind kind of going into how you guys um, help that transition or how you yes. help help people start up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of complexity when it comes uh, to really starting any type of healthcare business is because it is a regulated HIPAA compliance space. And so a lot of what we do is is starts at the core of compliance. And so the first thing that we do is really dive deep into what type of business you're looking to do. Is it something that's going to involve any um, external investment? Is there any other parties involved into the business that are going to be owners? Because all that's going to dictate what type of business you need to actually get started. So that's the first thing that we we really kind of hammer and, and we focus on early for a lot of people who are starting businesses is the incorporation piece, the, the structure, because that's going to dictate your business model, your taxing structure, the accounting, literally everything that will be built on top. That's your foundation. Um, but now how we really developed our, the way of building the operations of the practice, the care delivery is through no code. And so we've designed this concept of what's referred to as stacks. And so stacks are essentially business in a box components where you can easily clone different types of healthcare business models, um, and start building it right away. So it has everything you need from the financing model to the incorporation model, to the data models, literally to the care delivery structures for the care operations. Like we have all that built into it. So that way you don't have to think about it. You just say, this is what I need. It's already prepackaged for me. 
all I have to do is build it and launch it and it's it, it's mine, you know, and I can start running this business. So that's kind of like what we are able to provide for clinicians and, and, and doctors. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. And that's why I was so excited to have you on is because um, I love no code. But do you got do you mind going into what no code is for people that don't understand what it is? Yeah, so no code, basically, it's, it's off the, the thesis that you do not have to be a developer in order to build some type of web or mobile application. Right. So it's a preset kind of components or this is preset code that you're able to kind of like stream together, you know, place together in order to create some type of business or some type of application that, you know, emulates whatever it is that you're, you're trying to produce. So, for example, you know, a lot of people in the early parts wanted to create marketplaces or scheduling tools or, you know, Airbnb clones or things like that. That was really the premise early on with with no code. Um, they integrated Google Sheets as like their databases or maybe Airtable as their database. And so these are these are all no code concepts that that are really got popularized, you know, in the last five or 10 years. But it's, it's a concept that's been around for, for decades, um, you know, but that's it's essentially what no code is. It, it allows person who is not a developer in order to develop tools uh, using utilizing components systems that already have prepackaged, you know, technology there for you. Yeah, no, no code is no code has really changed the game in every I mean, all technology, right? You have people you don't have to the, the, the beauty of no code is you don't have to be a developer, right? I mean, that's like, and, and what you guys are building is perfect for healthcare people is because obviously, majority of us don't have a development background. Did you how did you get into this space? Did, do you have like a development background? Do you know somebody that has a development background? Like, how did you kind of fall into this? Yeah, so actually a lot of people don't know this, but military actually involves a lot of tech. Mm-hmm. We we manage a lot of technology by ourselves. I, I literally, when we we used to use this old um, EHR system, uh, it was called Ships. And when we ported over to all scripts, I literally had to migrate over 400 records by myself. And some of these records had like double volumes, you know, like, and so it, it was a pain. And, and beyond that, like, that was kind of like the early part. I got introduced to tech very early. My wife has been in tech for a very long time. So it was an easy transition for us, for our, for me, um, to really leverage my clinical background and really start, you know, using that knowledge and that domain expertise to build out some type of technical solution for, for doctors and clinicians. Yeah, that's amazing. That, that sounds like terrible. I, I can only imagine how long <laughs> that took. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the no code world is amazing and I'm so surprised that it doesn't has not come to um healthcare and you were really the first person I talked to that was kind of exploring it and that's why I was like, wow, like for me, like I've been talking about platforms and this and that and being able to take whatever you need and putting it together, right? And you're even taking it even more for that like, hey, we have literally built out these components and they're all meant to work together and I think that's that's so powerful and so when you when you approach doctors and like you know people that are trying to start practices or anyone like do you have to explain to them exactly what your platform does like how does that work because i feel like a lot of people don't would would probably be like man this seems too good to be true yeah yeah so i i've heard it's too good to be true since the very very beginning when you got started and and because because reality is we we as clinicians have been burned by tech you know we you know we, we we've kind of never been part of the process the design process 
is always been someone else making decisions for us and how we're going to be treating patients and it dictates where the EHR controls a lot of our, our workflow of how we operate and we have really no control beyond that. And so that's kind of, um, you know, the response that I, we've received. And, you know, when we first launched our product, it wasn't necessarily a concept of no code early on because we had to first implement the infrastructure that was required. And we had to prove that our infrastructure was able to actually properly deliver care, meaning that the clinicians who use the infrastructure could actually provide adequate care to their patients. That was the first thing that we had to prove. And so we did it. Once we established that and we felt that it was adequate enough, we started to break it down into separate components and say, okay, this is what's needed in this specific business type. This is section is what's needed in this business type. So allowed us to really formulate different stacks around different business models. And so that's the second core of our iteration of our product. And that's literally where we're at now. And that's what we're going live with in March. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, that's exactly how you should do it, right? You're trying to, you're proving the concept. And then after that, you're making it um, much better. Do you find that you being a clinician really helped you out? And not only with building this, also when you approached other clinicians? 100%. I would say that the I never had to iterate on the care delivery process. I understood that from doing it for almost, you know, 15, 16 years of my life, actually touching patients and treating patients. So you didn't, I, I didn't have to learn this. I didn't have to go at, ask questions. What I had to, to learn is how could we make it modular enough, enough so people that have different styles of delivery than I do? How could they be able to create something that fit them? That's the hard part, right? Because yeah. everyone has their own style. And so that's kind of where I would say I spent majority of my time learning and asking questions so that everyone felt like it was kind of made for them. And because ultimately, if you feel like you are delivering proper care, you're no longer hesitant to adopt that technology because you feel like it's not an inherent to, you know, treating your patients or managing your patients. And so that was really something that I focused a lot on since launching our early, you know, version of our product. And I continue to do it. And that's why I believe Stacks is the way to do this because it provides that customization to, you know, really connecting with the technology to make sure that it works for you. You're not working for it. Yeah, I mean... Uh, there's a lot to unpack right there, man. That's, that's amazing. But, uh, I mean, like you mentioned, I am a full believer in stacks. I think that's where healthcare needs to go for exactly what you mentioned. Uh, I think the, the, one of the biggest issues with EMRs right now is they try to be everything for everyone and it's just not possible. Right. The, the one example I give is, uh, you have a cardio surgeon and a cardiologist. They're in, they're both looking at the heart, but they have completely different workflows. They're completely different patients, but they're forced down the same path. Right. And that's where, um, like, you know, things that you're building are really, really awesome because it allows them to kind of pick and choose what is good, what works for them and what doesn't work for them because it's going to be different. And, you know, we're throwing on, around the word stack a lot. Do you mind kind of going into a little definition of what that is? Yeah. So stacks is a, is a term that's used very widely in tech, right? Um, early on, you know, if you ask someone in tech what their stack is, they're probably going to describe to you uh, what they use for the front end, right? what they use for their backend, their data model, right? Like if it's a SQL database, things like that. 
And so um, we started to adopt and, and, and we're not the only ones. I think health tech is really starting to adopt this same thesis of or, or at least concept of, you know, using stacks to describe what it is, the tools that you use in your care platform. But how we're thinking about it is that stacks at the core actually are prepackaged components that deliver that true care delivery system as opposed to an integration of different tools that are external, right? We, we should think of it like 80, 90% should be already available to you where it's not anything external that you have to use. And then that last 10 to 20% that you need to have custom to you, right? Custom to the way that you deliver care. That's where you go to the ecosystem. You go to the app store to find an either app or an extension to the existing technology that we've built so it allows you to actually extend functionality so that way it really fits your model. And so that's kind of what stacks are to us. So stacks is, is a common term used. We just believe stacks for us means that it's a packaged business in a box for you to simplify the process of building your business. We literally package everything end to end that you need in order to get that business off the ground. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's amazing. Thank you for, uh, clear. thank you for that. But, um, I was going to ask a question. I completely forgot, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, I mean, to me, that's just amazing. Right. I mean, I, like I said, like it's, that's one of the biggest problems with healthcare is like, people don't realize the complexities of healthcare. People think from the outside looking in, they're like, Oh, you know, well, we had this one problem or adherence, right? Adherence, like for me as a pharmacist, mm -hmm. that's one thing that people always ask, Oh, how do you increase adherence? I'm like, how much time do you have? Right. Because mm -hmm. it is a multifactorial problem. It's not just a one size fits all thing. And, but everyone is trying to make it make everyone kind of fit into a box and it's just like it just doesn't work and it and it especially doesn't even work for clinicians either because now you're you're stopping us from providing the care that we want to provide because we're just because the system is not allowing us to yeah yeah and and you see you see it a lot it's a frustration you know um every we're seeing more people uh talk about workflows and and different care operations and how to maintain those things and it's just like the reality is if you're trying to stack that technology into existing technology, you're still not going to have full customization. You're, you're, you're still going to be limited. And so um, we, we, we kind of have to redesign stuff. We have to build it up and then it, take that approach to once it's established now having components to bring those parties in. Um, I think who's doing it very well right now is, you know, who a company that we, we try to emulate, you know, cause they, 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 are seriously category defining the way that e-commerce is built is Shopify. Yeah. And so Shopify recently announced their components for enterprise. And so these are larger, you know, huge, huge big box organizations are, are stores that have existed, you know, maybe, you know, for, for, for hundreds of years that probably have an established technology, you know, their own developers and things like that, you know, for the past 20, 30 years, probably. Um, but they're not looking to switch over their tech you know, they can't, right? The switching costs are too high, but they may want different components that they can actually plug in to leverage the capabilities that Shopify has, right? And so I think that is proving our kind of thesis behind saying this was how big systems will feed into little systems. And it becomes a big ecosystem play because it's leveraging no-code, low-code components as opposed to trying to completely swap all the existing technology you're taking bits and pieces that actually 
make this process make sense. And so that's kind of how we're looking at it from an expansion. Yeah, no, I love that the fact that you brought up Shopify. I was thinking the same thing when we were first talking was like, um, and I don't want to say like you're the Shopify of healthcare. That's it's it's not, but I mean the the premise behind it is similar, right? You're trying to provide a seamless experience for somebody to where the only thing they really have to think about is the name, what the logo is, and what products they want to sell, right? And in this case, hey, you know, who do you want to treat? How do you want to treat them? And when do you want to treat them, right? I mean, it's it's just simplifying it to that point where those are things that we care about. We don't care about, you know, the back end or where the data is being stored and all that. I mean, majority of us don't. And that's the stuff that costs the most money though, right? I mean, I'm sure you know, you can probably uh, enlighten the audience on development costs on things like, you know, what you guys are just giving them as components. Like how much would one component cost, do you think, just to develop? Yeah, so scheduling. Let's talk about scheduling. Just the, the basic ability to schedule an appointment. Everyone may think that this is super easy, but I can tell you is one of the hardest parts of building a healthcare company is scheduling. And um, you're, you're, you're talking about years of development work multiple you know developers getting it wrong um multiple times you know having it it fail and so if you were to put a cost on it you know put a cost on one one developer so it'll take you about two to four developers to be able to do this over the course of 18 months maybe to mm -hmm. really get something that is viable like truly truly viable and while remaining compliant right and so each developer costs you average a hundred thousand dollars right and so if you need two to four now you're looking at 200K over the course of 18 months, right? So yeah, I can get very, very expensive. Yeah, and all you've really done is maybe able to schedule somebody, right? And it, <laughs> it might not even be right at that point. And, and that's no knock at developers. It's just the develop. I don't think people realize how hard developing something is until you actually are going through that process. Yeah, and it's not necessarily about, oh, can you schedule? There's a lot of components out there. Like uh, you could go and find some open source components to clone uh, Calendly right now that you can literally build that version of what they have, but that's not made for healthcare one, right? Two, it, it doesn't actually solve for the end-to-end -end journey of discovery or, or allowing people to actually pay with their, their, their HSA credit cards where it's viable or, I mean, I can go on and on about the different things where it's, it's, it's a different experience, right? Um, that's why if you look at, um, calendars for like, you know, like a Wix or Squarespace website, right? They have two different versions um, because Acuity Calendar is, if when it's HIPAA compliant, it has a different workflow and they're gonna charge you for that code and maintaining that code and the time it, it costs to build that code because it is a totally different expense behind it. And so that's why this, these things um, end up costing a lot of money or, you know, they don't work the way that you want them to work. Yeah, no, I joke around with people because all these, because everyone in health tech is trying to like get AI, ML, and they're trying to like diagnose people and trying to replace us. And I'm like, guys, we literally still haven't figured out scheduling. Let, let's 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 start with the bottom and then we can work our ways up from that. So yeah, you're completely right. Even something as simple as what people think scheduling is, it's a monster to deal with. Um, so yeah, no. So if somebody's hearing this, they're really excited. They're like, how do they how do they get started with the process? Yeah, so right now we are kind of onboarding we're, we're, with the new stack store concept, right? We're kind of taking on a little clients at a time. Mm -hmm. And so we will go live in March with a couple early stacks. Our first stacks are going to be really geared towards private practice for clinicians. Um, we have a very unique way of approaching this when it comes to pricing for them. 
Um, and then around April, we'll be introducing our first couple of stacks for startups. These are for non-clinical founders who want to start a, uh, a tech startup. And so it will be a different kind of uh, entry point, uh, onboarding experience for them and a different pricing structure uh, that we believe is going to be more formatted for them as technical startups, right? That are non-clinical founders. Um, so we're still believing with the mission. My mission has always been supporting clinicians and doctors leaving hospital systems and starting their own healthcare business. I don't really care what that healthcare business is. I just want, I believe that if it's a care delivery business, that clinicians and doctors are always going to be better at it. I believe they're going to out execute just because you don't have to teach them how to provide care. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of still our goal. We want to support them of being independent and running their business, how they feel fit. Yeah. Is there a specific uh, type of, uh, like practice size that you guys are um, aiming at or it kind of anything goes? Yeah, so for now, we, we are aiming at a specific one, right? So we, we do have, um, you know, prioritize solo, right? Um, virtual primarily is, is, is the model, but we are expanding to physical brick and mortars. We already have, but we wanna do it even more to really support the way of delivering care in a more hybrid approach. Um, I think that is the way of the future. And so you'll start seeing more people deliver care in person, at home, right? Um, virtually, it'll be kind of all over the place. And I think that's really going to help a lot of clinicians really connect with a bigger audience than they normally had before their patient panel, right? Um, but also, we, we do help group practices too. Um, so if you are a group practice and you need really restrictive like roles and permissions that allow true compliance end to end with a care collaboration, you know, we would love to work with you too, because that, you know, clearly uh, groups practices are going to, you know, kind of regain uh, their, 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 their moment here. And so we want to support them as well. Yeah, no, that's, well, that, that's awesome. And the other thing that I like about your guys' mission is, and I think this is pretty relevant now, um, you know, with all these mergers and acquisitions happening with, you know, you know, with Oak Street just recently with TVS, you know, with LegMD, with Walgreens and, you know, Amazon buying up anything that's breathing at this point right now. But, you know, it's really taking away that community aspect of healthcare, right? You know, what we grew up with, right? What we were told, how we were taught how healthcare was supposed to be. Now, how when we went to school versus what it is now is completely different, right? And not from like, I'm not talking about like, oh, telehealth and this and that. I'm talking about like the connection with our patients. And and I think that that's lost because we're kind of part of this engine that's only looked at via via spreadsheet, right? We've lost our we've lost control of our own practices. And I think that what I love what you guys are doing is you're empowering the clinician again to kind of take back control of their practice and really do what we were meant to do. And what makes us most of us happy is that connection with our patients. Yeah, it, I, again, I, I just I inherently believe that clinicians are out there to do the right thing. We didn't, we didn't do this or we didn't start this journey to, to, to not do the right thing. You know, <laughs> like we really care about our patients um, and, it, and it, it impacts a lot of us. I mean, why is the burnout rate so high? Why is the suicide rate so high? Why are all these things? It's because we live with this stuff. We know we can go deeper. Why is the divorce rate so high? Why are these things? Depression, you know, like it, it is really impacting us. Our inability to treat patients the way that we feel we need to be treated or not being able to provide truly adequate level of care um, is impacting us. And so I believe that this finally solves some of it. Again, it's not going to solve all of it. I mean, that, that would be very, you know, 
you know, I, I would have such a large ego to be able to say like, oh, here, this is private practice alone. Like, it, it, no, but this is a way to reconnect with your patients, hopefully uh, revitalize that passion for delivering patient care. And um, it would be the outlet that some of those have been missing in order to really keep them in healthcare, keep them in medicine. Um, and then, uh, you know, really kind of um, rebuild for the next generation of clinicians too. No, I... What you just said really resonates with me. Unfortunately, you know, both of us have probably unfortunately lost colleagues. Um, and also, you know, you it's I, I mean, I wrote in my article today that was about why I left clinical medicine and it wasn't because of burnout. It was because I just kept seeing the same problems over and over again being solved by people that don't practice medicine and they're trying to like force feed solutions to us. And then in the back end, we're just supposed to make it work. And in the end, all it does is keep separating us from the thing we love the most. And you're absolutely right. I don't think people realize the toll it takes on us when we have to say no to somebody. Oh, insurance is not covering this. Oh, we can't do this because that's just not the policy. It really eats us up inside. And I don't think people realize the height of how much that really eats us alive. Like it, it got to a point for me, like I just couldn't do it anymore. And I was, and you, and we were taught to kind of separate ourselves from the patient. But we're taught to separate ourselves from the patient so we can take care of them. But now, to, for me, it got to a point where I was separating myself from the patient just because I couldn't do anything anymore. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to cover my rear end and make sure that I still have a job. And that's not the way I wanted to live. Yeah, yeah. I hear it all the time. I, I, the, the several doctors that I come in contact with, every single week, I'm hearing the same story over and over again. The interesting thing is, is that when we went to market, we went to market with what we refer to as our fellowship. And so it was a, a cohort based model that brought in uh, 50 clinicians at one time and had them go through the process over a course of six weeks to build their, and launch their practices. Right. And when we launched that, right, the um, we had them apply. Right. They had to apply through uh, a video. It was a video application. And we asked them these questions. You should have seen some of the emotional responses behind some of these applicants. Like it was incredible. Like you seriously cry. Like some of them are, 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 I still keep in contact with, you know, to this day, cause they're, they're obviously our customers, but I mean, on a, on a different level, because the emotional connection, the, 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 the things that they provided, like just seeing the, the realness behind how the system has broken some people. You know, and, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, we're here to, to, like I said, we're not going to fix this alone. This is an ecosystem problem. We need to build the ecosystem so everyone and one, one of us can contribute. Um, but I think this is it's the beginning of it. We are, we are truly creating that, that ecosystem that will hopefully change it for a lot of us. Yeah, no. And um, I, I mean, I think that this is, it's not going to solve all the problems, but at least it's a step in the right direction, you know, and that's. We've been walking backwards for so long that any step forward is, you know, monumental. I mean, you can probably tell from your, I mean, you can probably say from your own experience, but like, you know, like the one or two victories that we do have during a day, during a month, during a year, you know, those are the things we look back on when we're constantly fighting, right? I mean, let's just use that failing and fighting. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I can, I can totally understand like those, I can only imagine uh, what those video interviews were like. And, but yeah, man, um, I don't want to like, it, I mean, this is a really important topic and I think that we can probably keep talking about this over and over again, but, um, it's just, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't really have much more to say, but 
you were i just wanted to kind of segue to like kind of the future of healthcare you kind of mentioned hybrid care uh, right now you guys are virtual you guys are kind of focusing on virtual and you guys are kind of moving into hybrid uh to me that's like the that's going to be the gold standard moving forward right you, you we can't go fully virtual we can't go fully hybrid i mean fully in person because of patients some patients can't just can't get to you eventually we're going to get to the hybrid model what um, what are your thoughts on that yeah, see, this is the core of why stacks are super important because you're gonna immediately come into it thinking, what type of model am I, am I looking to practice? What type, of my, what type of model am I looking to be able to establish? And every single one of those models is going to involve a different style of technology you need in order to deliver care to your patients, right? And so, it go, for example, if you're, if you're looking at delivering at-home care, Okay, how, with who? Do you need any collaborators, right? Is there anyone else in that process? And so is there a different way that you need to bill? Does that mean then if it's a different way to bill, who are you billing? Is it, is it Medicare? Is it Medicaid? Is it, right? And because all that's gonna involve a different type of database, a different type of certification, a different type of claim structure. Like, so this is why stacks are so unique because we're building them based off of the care model. Right. We're saying, are, is it a value based care model? OK, what type of value based care model? All right. Now we can strip apart that business model like an Oak Street Health, for example. I can strip that apart and tell you, here's everything you need to in order to kind of recreate or clone a Oak Street Health. I can tell you that because it's not unique. Right. That what they built is not unique. What, what, what is unique is they executed. it. They had funding. They were able to expand. They got contracts, all that thing. But it doesn't mean that you can't do it locally. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it on a different scale. You, you don't need to become an Oak Street Health scalable business in that level. But you can have the same inner workings as an Oak Street Health and just operate it in your local region, the Chicago area, the Houston area, whatever. And that's that, that you're going to have a very, very good business, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that that's where people, a lot of, uh, a lot of people get lost in like, in, when they're trying to go out on their own is not, not the, you know, the care, like you said, the care delivery, we understand that we know how to take care of our patients. We know how we want to take care of our patients. It's all the backend stuff. I mean, you can probably tell me, you can probably say better, but like, you know, there's so many doctors that are looking at the, the fee schedule from insurance companies and all their different providers. How often do they actually look at it? How often do they actually negotiate against it? Like this is literally how they're getting paid. And half the times it's just a rubber stamp. Okay, fine, whatever. Let's just move it on. Right. We're not, I shouldn't say we're not, I am not. And a lot of other people that are like me are not very business savvy. So if you can be like, hey, you know, we got this whole thing figured out. All you have to do is tell us what you want. We'll figure it out for you and just show up. I mean, that's a powerful thing. And I think a lot of people, if they, you gave them that opportunity, they'd be like, that's awesome. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's looking at, you know, we, we're probably a generation that grew up looking, eating cereal at the table, reading the cereal box, right? And, and kind of like, I, I, that's how I think about Stacks. It's like Stacks is literally a business in a box. It's gonna show you all the things in the back of that cereal box that's included in there, all the pictures and cartoons and stuff that you get the opportunity to read because it really is, you're gonna make it your own. It's gonna be your own little story. We're just telling you, this is the business model. It's not saying that your brand doesn't exist. You as the individual who's operating that business model is not unique. 100% behind it, it is. So whether you want to deliver care at home in a hybrid approach, if you want to deliver it virtual only, whether you want to have a brick and mortar, you know, you want multiple brick and mortars, like we want to help you get there. And Stacks is that first initial starting point. So you'll go to our Stacks store as you would like an app store. There'll be multiple Stacks. 
And so as we continue to grow, what we add even more stacks and, you know, it's just, that's, that's how we're creating this. And I think it's going to, it's going to be a support system. That's going to get a lot more people to think I could do this or I could try this because it's already there for them. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, right? Like you're able to try some, try something without the hundreds, sometimes million dollars of dev development cost, right? Um, you can, you can be like, Hey, let me try it because you know, most, most of us have a skill set that is going to be needed for quite a while. As much as people want to say, AI is going to replace us. We're quite a bit away from that people like, so, uh, but I mean, you know, if, if something like this existed, I mean, I would try it if, you know, when I was coming out of school or if I was kind of getting like, Hey, let me try something on my own. If you have a big enough name or you're just trying to make a name for yourself, uh, why not? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I really believe it's going to be the entry point for folks it's going to be the concept of direct-to-consumer. I'm, I'm calling it the direct-to-consumer 2.0. And so, and, and what this means is that with a stack, there's going to be a direct-to-consumer stack. And it's going to allow anyone who is a clinician to be able to select a direct-to-consumer product that they can basically offer direct to their practice. And it's an extension. It's not the practice. It's an extension of the practice. So you don't have to think of it as... I have to go full time. No, it's an, it's an extension of what you're already doing, whether you're already full time as an employee at some, some health system, or you already have an existing practice and you're like, you know, my customers, patients have been asking for X. I might as well just go ahead and add that there for them. And it's earning you extra revenue. It's getting you used to understanding brand business and, and things on the side. And so it's, it's extension of, you as a clinician, there's nothing that you have to change and it can literally become just you're buying something or you're also getting something plus clinical services. You know, um, I, I'm a fan of a company um, called Windley Health. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think uh, Dr. Uh, you know, Manan, like he, he's, he's one of the examples of like, who's doing this very well, you know, but he had to go all in because the lack of infrastructure. But I think he would even, he, if he just had it at an extension, he would even do just as well because he started with his own practice first, you know? And so if he didn't, if he had a stack available to him, he wouldn't have to go all in on a, on a startup. He would have been able to just add it to his existing practice, right? And he could accomplish the same exact task, right? And so this is what we're trying to create for many, many clinicians. It's like, you just need that functional functionality, that tech infrastructure that hasn't been given to you because it's given to others. And so now it's like, we're giving this to you and I'm, I'm excited to see what, what comes of it. Yeah, man, I'm really excited as well. And I'm glad you brought up the, the DTC um, 2.0, um, as you put it. And I, and, and you had posted that and I found that like, for me, it was, I like people that are talking about this because I feel like I'm crazy when I'm like thinking like this. So it's nice to find other people that are in the same boat as I am. Uh, because sometimes people are like, yo, dude, this is, I mean, it's not a, and like you mentioned, it's a service, right? Like for example, you know, if you're, if your patients are constantly asking you for nutritional plans or something like that, right. You can get paid for it. Like they're already, like there are already people going out and paying, paying, paying all these people. Like, why couldn't, why can't you be doing that? If you're already doing that for patients, right? Like that's just a very simple example. Right. And, and I don't see why it's so, I don't know why it's looked down upon for clinicians to make money. Like 
why like you know i've never understood that right like we're not trying to sell you anything that's going to harm you right if you're obviously if you're doing harm you're literally breaking the the the, the hippocratic oath that we all took but like if you're trying to help the patient and then the other thing is i think is we need to really push we need to give ownership back to the patients right so when they are buying these plans they have and they have some ownership to it like they they're like hey i bought this and now and i should use it right versus like oh you know, why don't you do this? See me in three months. And they never do it. And you're like, okay, let's see you in three months again. Why don't you try this, this, and this? Like, we need to kind of move towards like, hey, patients need to start owning their things. And we are the shepherds to their health, not we are in control of their health. Yeah, direct consumer is that equalizer. It's the equalizer that has been proven. Direct. The, the, here's the thing that I like about direct consumer um, beyond the abuse, because there are companies that have abused it. Right, because and if they abuse it because of a venture capital, in my belief, the growth like that, the whole growth over you know like kind of like the 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 means behind it. But it actually it it the model itself is is good, right? Because it it proves the directness that patients want it direct, right? They want it straight. They don't want the all the nonsense, the complications behind going through that long you know process of, of claim submissions waiting in an appointment all these things so we as modern clinicians should understand that we should really really take notice because what direct-to-consumer companies over the past 10 years have done is they disintermediated the relationship between the doctor and a patient not because they were just looking at profits obviously that was you know a reason but they were looking at it because it actually something was broken there right and so as clinicians recognizing that they found a problem that you weren't able to actually solve so you should be looking at how can i solve that for my patients because ultimately what happens if you solve it you disintermediate them because they can only do one level they cannot provide the clinical service you can that changes everything for direct-to-consumer that's why i think dtc 2.0 it, it it really it should that technology should have been given to clinicians from the start, but it wasn't. Now it's our opportunity. No, I 100% agree with you there. I mean, even some of these DTC um, companies, they need to hire physicians or clinicians to be able to provide their services. So like they're using us to to kind of go around us. It's kind of this weird, uh, this weird thing that is happening, right? Like they're trying to replace us by using us. And to me, you know, like to your point, why do we need them, right? You know, we can just do it ourselves and then we can also help our patients. We know our patients really well, right? If, especially if you're a primary care physician and you have these kind of programs, you know exactly who your patient is. You've been with them for much longer and you can direct them much better than if they go on, you know, online and just Google something. Yeah, yeah. And that's the problem because they, they will go to Google. They will go to TikTok. They will go to all these things. So just, you know, if, if it's our... If it's in us to, to help, this is this is a matter of helping. It's what it is. And and we we obviously want to make sure that the care, you know, plan, you know, whatever it is that we're we're, we're providing, it is actually helping the patient. The outcomes are going to be favorable towards the patients. And when you're not including the things that you know that they need in that process, you are not actually following through with that proper care plan. And so this is just an expansion of what medicine or healthcare is turning into, right? 
And I think that our generation of clinicians, you know, we understand that it's just, it's, it's medicine evolves, technology evolves. And so adding that layer is just going to be a natural course of the evolution. Yeah. And then also it, it kind of helps with fragmentation as well too, right? Now you're, mm-hmm. you're not sending your patient all over the place and then like, you don't know what's happening to them there. You don't know what's happening to them here. You know, that's another problem, right? That's in healthcare. There's just this massive fragmentation, you know, my, you know, our parents, have like four or five doctors and none of them actually ever talk to each other. And you're like sitting there like, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they're like, they're complaining like, yep, yeah, that's, and then, and the worst thing we could, and then we're just like, throw our hands up. Like, that's just the way it is. And that's why I'm, I was sick and tired of it. But yeah, man, I, uh, I completely agree with you. The DTC, I think that there it's being done and it's being done by people that, I, I mean, I, I, that may not have the patient's best interest at heart, right? They're just they're just looking that, at them as a dollar sign. And I think, like you mentioned, are there going to be people that abuse it? 100%. You're never going to have a system or a practice that's not going to be, that's not going to, but but the, but, the, but the majority of people, like I would say 90 to 95% of clinicians are not going to be abusing it. They're going to be doing it for the right reasons. Like that shouldn't, that, you know, that, that handful over there should not stop us from moving forward. Because in the end, I do think that outcomes would get better. And, you know, and it, and it would make the clinician's life better as well, right? Like I said, it's already happening. Might as well, why don't we take the pie that is being stolen away from us? Yeah. One thing I like about our clinician community is that we are very actually good at policing our own. Um, th- th- that's, that's a thing that like, I think most people don't recognize that are external, is that if you're a bad doctor people are not going to refer you and you will be labeled a bad doctor. Like, and it, and it will stick with you, unfortunately, until you fix yourself. Right. And then you prove otherwise, like it, reputation is, it is so strong in the community that, you know, we want to make sure that the people that were as a clinician, you know, referring to another clinician, that that is legit care. Right. Like we always want to make sure it cont- you know, continuity of care is, is adequate to that patient constantly, whether it's us delivering it or it's someone else, it, it, because it impacts. That's why people get so emotional over it. They get so aggressive because it's just like when you're messing with the patient's care, it's like they they're so attached because they believe in it, you know. And and um, you know, I'm pretty sure you've probably seen systems and been in situations where you know you had multiple clinicians arguing over a patient's care, you know. And it's just like because. That's how passionate it is. That's how real it is. And patients don't see any of that, but it's very, very real. So I think that um, there will be bad actors a hundred percent, but those bad actors will be recognized by the good people and the good people will try to steer patients away from them because it just, it, it, it's, we, we can quickly identify who's not in it to, to help. And then that's another reason why I like the, like the idea of moving to private is that you're not you're not forced to be in a system, right? You're not forced to refer them to the doctor in that system, right? Because that's, that's another problem, right? You know, sometimes that happens too. So like when you're by yourself, when you're, when you're your own king, you can be like, nope, I don't like that person. I'm going to put, I'm going to send my patient over there. And that again is empowering us to take care of the patient better than us being forced to use the Rolodex that's been given to us by the hospital system or, you know, you know, the other systems that we are working. Yeah. And there's, there's so many different ways to even manage informed consent and, and, and patient choice and where it's not steering and it's not, you know, you're not worried about like Stark laws, you know, issues and stuff like that. And, and, and it's because I can tell you majority of patients 
if they trust their, their doctor, they trust their clinician that they're working with, they're going to trust their opinion. No, it's flat out. It's flat out. Like, you know, like, wh what do you think, doctor? Like, what do you, what do you think? You know, like, and be like, okay, if you, I trust you, you know, because you established that relationship of trust already. Yeah, no. And that's exactly why, like, you know, to your point, why most of us are very um, emotional about our patient care, because there is that level of trust and we don't want it to be broken because once that trust is broken, then the relationship is gone. You might as well just separate it right then and there because everything in medicine just relies on trust. It's such a thin, you know, it's like a hair, like just being suspended and anything can break it. And that's why, you know, we are, we get so emotional. That's why it keeps us up at night. That's why, because we don't want to lose the trust of our patients because they are why we are doing what we're doing. Yeah. 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 And, um, Man, we we kind of lost that over the over the past twenty years, you know, with, with the the consolidation of healthcare, and um, I think we 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 earned for that. Um, we want it back, and I think it, patients do too. Um, but they also want a convenience. They, they you know they 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 want that it to be hassle like free. In and I think you can have both. You can have a connection and you can have convenience um, by having equal access to technology. When you don't then that means that you're you're having to compensate for the lack of it uh, of that missing piece and that's kind of what's what's been struggling with or what clinicians have been struggling with uh you know with with, with not having it yeah no for sure i mean um you know just some, something i always think about is you know i work primarily in oncology and outpatient infusion and you know our clinic was only open from whatever 8 a.m to 5 p.m you know what do most people do during that time go to work, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of times people just had to quit their jobs because they had to make their appointments. They had to make their infusions. You know, are we really helping the patient? No, in my eyes, we're not. Right. And that's why, like, I push technology, right. You know, like you can have patients visit telehealth, right. And it, a lot of them would want that and they can do it after work. You know, you can, you, we can, we need to start pushing home infusion so they can get the infusion when it's convenient for them, not what's convenient for the hospital system or whatever. And, you know, to your point. And I think, and then if we, if we're, if we're meeting the patient where they are, we're just going to build more trust. And then we are able to hopefully make them better. Yeah. And all that, like, it just goes back to, to, to the technology, you know, cause like the reality is if you're going to meet patients where they are, that means you're going to have to have flexible technology that's modular that can fit those different care delivery workflows that will be need to be customized according to that patient you know and it's just the you know the, the the truth behind it and until we have technology built that way to be flexible you're never going to get it you're, you're, we're always going to be having inadequate care patients are going to fall through the cracks you're going to have people who get harmed or injured um you know it's just this is the only way you know we, we we need true we need technology built for our modern world of delivering care yeah no 100 and we need clinicians to be building that and that's why i'm excited for people like you that are really taking the reins on this and being like, yo, I'm going to, we're going to take this into our own hands because that's what we need to do for too long. We've been, we've been, it's kind of ironic, right? We are in a profession that's helping others, but then we are looking for others to help us. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 um, it's time that we take, take matters into our own hands. Kind of like what we tell our patients to do, like, Hey, you need to take care of yourself. You need to take responsibility for your own actions. We need to start doing that too. And we need to start, you know, taking it over and building things that actually work and that are built by us for us. Yeah. Yeah. And an important piece that I would like to say on that is 
even though we are starting this, we're the ones that are building the foundation of how this will be built. We are 100% not going to be able to do this by ourselves. This is this is why the, we build. We're building it in a way that's very modular and, and it's it, in a no code, low code kind of like way. Because what it does is supports a ecosystem for other people to start stacking on top of our stacks, stacking on top of our app store, our technology. So that way, you're never missing out on things that your patients need or things that you need in order to deliver care to your patients. And so. That's why I said early on, it's going to be us kind of creating these stacks. But in the future, we would be leveraging new stacks based off of the new apps and extensions that are in our app store. Say like, hey, these we just had 100 new apps built. That's think of the combinations that we can do in order to create even more stacks with these 100 new apps. Right. And so that's kind of how we're looking at this. It's really about we have to build the foundation that everything could be built upon if we truly want this to continue expanding and evolving over time. Because what it looks like today will not look like five years from now, 10 years from now, it will constantly evolve. And that's why I love the model that you guys are kind of working at and the, you know, the stack philosophy is it doesn't matter what's happening because technology, you, you can keep up with technology very quickly, right? You know everything is going to work together. You're like, hey, there's this new new way. I'm just making something up. New way to see mm -hmm. the patient holographically or something. Boom, a stack, you know, an app will come on. Boom, you install that app. It's kind of like our phones, right? Or our desktops. Mm -hmm. That you know, we need to start moving that way. That's literally how we live our whole life, except for in healthcare. And healthcare yep. is so important to us. Yet we are literally like in the stone age when it comes to tech. Yeah, yeah because it's only been one way to build. That's why. Yep. <laughs> you, you, you've, you've been forced to only build a certain way and code a certain way that you're limited by the technology. If you, if you can't build for it, you don't care about the technology. What does it matter? Right. But we're starting to see expansion. We're starting to see new codes. You're starting to see new pricing models, value-based care expansion, right? All these things are starting to change. And so as that starts to happen, there's more ways for you to be able to get paid for delivering care to your patients in different areas and different, you know, modalities, things like that you will see expansion of technology. And this is why we're really thinking about that today. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, so Mario, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, how do they, what's the best place to reach you? Yeah, so I'm at mario at eastpractice.com. Um, we're literally at East Practice on every single social platform. We're at eastpractice.com is our website. As I mentioned, we're launching Stacks in March and then we'll be doing um, Health Stacks, meaning for health non-clinical health tech founders. And, um, in uh, April. And so, yeah, you can find me on social media. I'm, I'm very active on Twitter and, and, and LinkedIn too. So feel free to just DM me anytime if you have any questions. Yeah, no. And I'll have all those linked in the show notes below, but one more, one last question before we uh, close this off, what, knowing what you know now, what advice would you have given yourself when you first started? Um, so I would say, honestly, I wish something would have existed like this for me. Because I've made probably every single mistake that most clinician founders will make while burning through capital, their own capital, you know, taking out 401ks, doing these things. So I would say um, when you're doing this, when you're starting your own business, right, especially as a clinician or physician, minimize your expenses, search for solutions that you could really test it in a safe and compliant way, but don't put yourself financially at harm in order to kind of do this, no matter how passionate you are. Um, because there are people who out there who, who, who will exploit that 
Um, but then there are people who are there to help, right? And it's just the way of tech. Um, but to say, just try to be as lean as possible uh, when it comes to starting your business. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. Well, Mario, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.